to Minute 119 of The Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into The Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me again today is Mark Hoffmeyer from Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, and movies, films, and flicks. Welcome back, Mark. Oh, great to be here. And i got to tell you, since the last episode, I had that tunnel in my backyard that my wife and I built, and I have the hole. This time, I built it out, and I dug a big enough hole to get a grand piano through it, and up it. Mm, very nice, yep. very nice. And I, I, I wonder why you, you would mention anything about a piano at this point. Goon Mark missed it completely. Because he's just, we, we know he's adult. so <laughs> He's thinking about his coffee and biscuit. That's with, right. Okay, wait, wait. What's, what's like popular Polish jam? Let's look this up. Polish, popular Polish jam. From 1944. We gotta know. <laughs> yeah, popular <laughs> Polish jam and it's august right so what what would be out during that so 1940s popular oh hey let's see um is there anything about jam let's see actually polish survivors pay homage homage to maharaja who saved them that's pretty interesting polish cuisine let's see i'm just gonna put polish jam i don't want to do polish jam 1940s because we also have to think about music. what was in season. You'll get music. Yeah. <laughs> you get polka music. Let's, oh, plum butter. Boom. All right. Plum butter sounds wonderful. There you go. That's so cool. Now, now you know what Goon Mark is going to be having on his biscuits when he's drinking his coffee and drinking his Coke Zero a little later on. <laughs> Man, that's a good... I would look forward to that if I was a goon. Hey, after this, I'm going to eat a delicious biscuit, some plum jam, have a nice coffee... Yeah, but you also don't know what's what's uh, in store for you in a few weeks. You know, after yeah, that's true. after everybody realizes what happened tonight, they're sending you to the Russian front. <laughs> to be fair, I'm, that's why I'm going to enjoy as much jam as I can while I can. Yeah, but we enjoy. But, jam. but you and I both know you're not going to be able to enjoy it because before you finish your shift, uh, everything is going to hit the fan. Yeah, that's and, true. And we'll you, hit may be, the you may so be dreaming about your, your, your plum jam, and you may be dreaming about your coffee, but we know you're not going to get to it. <laughs> but when I change, so I'm going to go back in time and convince them otherwise. Ah, okay. Yeah. If that's the in the background, you could. In the background, you're going to hear, you're not going to understand why, but you're going to hear it in English. Like, Goon Mark, time to take a break. Switch out with uh, Hank. And then I'll, you're gonna see me go. Okay, see you later, Hank. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna go enjoy some biscuits and jam and coffee. I'll see you later. And then that's Hank who gets in trouble. Okay, hey, if it works, why not? Yeah. So minute one nineteen starts with Danny <laughs> standing at attention, and goes all the way until Roger explaining to Henley about the new plan. Oh. Yeah. So I mean, it, it we we continue the 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 scene from yesterday where Willie was able to convince Danny that it's about time for him to man up. Yeah get out the danny then goes and typically like someone like charles bronson he just cuts in line you know he he then jumps into the to the trap which it's pretty funny he, he literally jumps in there you know mm-hmm. he's not looking for the ladder he's not looking he's just jumping down and and as we've established you know it's supposed to be 30 feet down that's that's pretty dangerous to be jumping that way now i, I just want to point out one little thing as you see him jumping in do you notice something coming out of the, the tunnel itself? No, what was coming out of the tunnel? There's no. A, there's a wire coming out of the tunnel. Oh. Because, electricity? Yeah, that's right. Oh, no. That's electricity. Yeah. 
they it, again the, this movie ba- it's, it, it amazes me every single time that we get to see how much detail they're they're going to go into for this type of thing. You know, they're they're not only building the the, the you know the trap door. They're gonna they're gonna have a wire coming out of it so that if anyone asks, you can actually see how they got the electricity in there. Um, I've discussed this in the past, how in the the real escape, they were able to get electricity. Apparently, there were some German electrical workers that came to do something one day, and when they weren't looking, the, the prisoners stole a whole bunch of supplies from them, used them for their, you know, for their own uh, uses. Now, the, these German electricians were a little scared to actually tell anyone that they, they that their stuff got stolen, so they never even reported it. Oh, I bet you Goon Mark was watching the truck at the time. It could be. It could be. Or maybe there was yeah. nobody watching the truck at the time. And that would be... I mean, that's the that same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> it depends if we, if he's dreaming about his plum jam and coffee or, or yeah. something else. Who knows? That sounds really good. I am going to go to... I have a place with a ton of jam in the country near me. Next time I go to my in-laws, I'm going to stop there and see if they have some plum jam, Polish plum, plum jam. Circa 1944. Are you, are you an MMA fan? No, not at all. Oh, so right now the light heavyweight champion, John Blachowicz, 205 pounds. He's a fighter. They call it Polish power. And if you think of, wait, if you think about it too, Bronson, he has, he has some guns in this movie. He's Polish yes. power. Yes. No in this as well. That. So he can jump down 30 feet and just land. Yeah, but he is, what's funny is that he's based on another, well, he's based on one of the one of the, the real escapees whose name was uh, Danny Kroll, okay, where they give a description of him that he's a, he was a little pole, five feet tall, a saber champion. Now, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily classify Charles Brunson as being little and five feet tall. You know, it, it, they, they actually introduce him in, in the original uh, book at the same time they talk about Ives, about the two of them being, you know, Ives' real name was Piglet. Oh. They were, they were uh, you know, tunnel kings because they were so small. They were able to, to, to dig so, so easily. So it's pretty funny that, 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 that they decided to give, give us someone who's more beefed up, you know, like Charles Bronson, to, to make it seem that, okay, this is the guy who's going to be doing the, the, the tunneling. I think it's more when they, they showed us a few weeks ago when he was, you know, breaking into the, into the, to the foundation. So there you need someone who mm-hmm. really needs to have, uh, you know, his guns that he's got. You know, what's, you know what's funny about that scene? I just broke up my, pa- uh, so we have a screened in porch in our backyard and I didn't want to pay somebody to take out a concrete slab in my backyard. So it's about 10 by 10 concrete slab. So I bought a sledgehammer and a crowbar and I broke up my concrete slab. It was horrible. So why did you did you have someone did you have someone playing music at the same time or singing Christmas carols? Uh, <laughs> to the same same tune to the beat. We did have music playing. To the beat. We did have my wife was out there carting the concrete after I hit it, but it was miserable. So watching that one guy outside whacking that that um, whatever pole was out there with his sledgehammer while Bronson whapped the concrete floor there, that, yeah. uh, that's tiring. <laughs> That's tiring yes. right there. So you're right. Yes. Well, if you if you go back and look at that scene, you'll see that that uh, there are four guys standing there, and all of them are really really strong, and you know they have to have a lot of stamina. So they they must have been switching, tur- taking turns. Yeah. But Charles Bronson was doing it all himself. Do you think if they had spreadsheet, they would have used the heck out of Excel spreadsheet back then, Attenborough using Excel spreadsheets? 
Imagine yeah, their spreadsheets. Sure. Like what time to be <laughs> hitting stuff with sledgehammers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. And I like too. That, oh, never mind. I'm going way back. When I like the no, Garner, okay. like, hey, you want? Can you get these two pieces of tile? Yeah, I saw something similar to that over there. I'll go get it. Like Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is. Oh, we can use something from from the bathroom. They have that in the in the washroom. No one will notice that we take the the, the tiles from the from there. Yeah. You know, and switch them. Yeah. No, I I discussed that when I came across that that when we were discussing that scene, it was just it 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 was just really hilarious because he really needed to know where everything was. Yeah. And as you said, he needed his, he really needed a spreadsheet. No, also, do you, we've talked about cheeky gags being cut out of this film. How do you feel about the McQueen gag where he's carrying all the the bed posts and then that guy jumps onto his bed? I think you Cavendish. Yeah, Cavendish. You're right. You needed that as uh, a, yo. um, you needed that as a, like this is what happens when you take these things out. So I guess you needed yes. that, correct? Because if you yes. just take them out, you need to show that these guys also have some issues sleeping in their beds. Yes. Okay. So that that and, gag and, is worth and doing it in a doing it in a funny way helps helps lighten. The tone of the film. Yeah, because they're not like, well, yeah. you took all the wood out, so now we can't sleep on it. Because if we sleep on it, we'll fall through. Like, that's not... Correct. Yeah. 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 No, but the best part about it is that, that uh, you know, you see that McQueen debates whether to take another one or not. <laughs> <laughs> right beforehand. Then he's like, eh, why not? What the hell? Yeah. Danny and Willie disappear into the, in, into the tunnel. And oh. you see Cedric just looking at them. Which, again, they just jump right in. It's as if they're diving into... You know, into a pool or something like that. You know, just uh, feet first, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty interesting. And then uh, they they skip to showing us once again Bartlett and Mac, who both look really worn out yep. from what they're doing. Their their hair is both both of their hair is, is messed up. You know that they're for everything that they've been doing. You know, just by pulling the rope for all the trolleys coming through. And they're like, oh, uh, Blythe's right behind Mac. He's right behind. So they they know that they're bringing Blythe through. Blythe comes through as we discussed yesterday. He's pretty much blind. Yeah. Has you know, he's you know they, they they take him off nicely, put him in, put him, they just calm him down, tell him to sit down. He looks pretty relaxed he, he's really, down there. Like he looks pleasant. He looks really relaxed, but he also looks like he's he's has no idea what's going on. <laughs> I think he's I think he's relaxed because he just doesn't realize how scared he should be. Yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't know that it's Goon Mark that's up there watching. Yeah. He would be much more. See, I bet you everybody went. That's Goon. Uh, Sven up there, and I was like, "Oh no, not Goon Sven! We got to be careful with that guy." Because if they said Goon Mark, they'd just be playing music down there. They'd be grilling. It it would be a whole thing. But Goon Sven, you don't mess with him. That's very true. (laughs) (laughs) So then, Cedric. Then we go back to seeing Cedric at at the base of the, the trap door. And Soren says to him, he says, oh, well, it's your turn, Cedric. Now, one of the things that, that's interesting is is the, the order of prisoners. You know, mm-hmm. in the original book, they describe that they did a lottery for a lot of the, the prisoners to decide who's going to go and who's not going to go. And there were a lot of them also who were integral to the whole escape system, to the whole ex-organization, that they didn't let them go because they said that they still need to keep some of the, some of the people back to be able to help dig more tunnels in the future. Exactly. Yeah, you're not, you now, can't you, send everybody How do you feel about that, saying that, that, that you, you have too much – you're too good at what you do to let you go? <laughs> no, here's the thing. I mean, it, it's their responsible 
to their it's their responsibility to be as big of a like to harass, confound, and confuse the enemy. So mm-hmm. if if Bartlett or one of the other leaders says, "Hey, you got to stay behind," I figure that you are knowing that you are doing your part. And if they all get caught yes. and they don't have a, another tunneler who knows how to to prop stuff up, then you. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think you play your part. I, I think you're th- these. They had a relatively comfy life in this film inside these barracks, yes. but they just want to confuse and harass the enemy and, and get that manpower. So that's a great question you ask. But I, listen, you'd want to escape, but also if you're the best digger and no one else knows how, I could see how they would want to keep you there. So you're just playing your part, right? Exactly. Now, Brickhill himself says that, that, that he was originally supposed to go out, but he got a bout of claustrophobia, and they basically told him that, that he can't go because of that. He, he obviously wrote that he was somewhat grateful after everything that happened, you know, that, that, that he wasn't one of the ones who, <laughs> who was supposed to get out. Yeah, if you're the digger, which, yeah, if you which survive Which is a pretty that. bold statement for, for an author to, to write in his book, you know, when he's talking about his, you know, 50 friends that were all murdered. I mean, what? You know, for him to say... Well, I'm, I'm glad that in the end I wasn't chosen to go. 50 of the 74, correct? 76. 76. Oh, because it was 70. Oh, got it. I mean, oh, that's a... And that changed yeah. all the Geneva Convention. That changed a lot, this incident. Yes, yeah. I believe so. But you're not there yet. We'll go. We'll talk about this. No, not very far, very far from that. And hopefully I'll have someone very knowledgeable, knowledgeable on the subject. To, to discuss that when I get to that minute. I do a lot so of reading about that. World War II, like Operation Mincemeat, uh, In the Garden of Beasts, which I think is one of the my favorite books. It's, it's about the um, American diplomat who was in Germany in the 1930s and like wrote notes back about the rise of Nazi Germany and just all the contributing factors. Yeah, it's called In the Garden of Beasts, a wonderful World War II book. But I read like Operation Mincemeat, how they dropped that. Who's, who's, that, who's that written by? Ooh, same guy who wrote Devil Night City. It is Mark... No, wait. Let me... Uh, gosh. Devil in the... And Eric Larson. Eric Larson wrote that. It's mm-hmm. called In the Garden of Beasts. Thrilling. And so wait. And Operation Because I actually just saw a movie a few weeks ago called Mission to Moscow, which is all about Ambassador Joseph Davies who FDR sent to Russia to learn about the Soviet system and stuff during during World War II, hey. during, during the 1930s. Uh, and he was there throughout uh, World War II. So, and he went through Germany and also learned a lot about what was going on in Germany at the time. Yeah, that so that was a pretty... fascinating movie based on a book. And that was a movie that, oh. that, was a movie that came out in 1943. You know, as, the mo- as everything was still going <laughs> This sounds really stupid, but imagine you're undercover and then that movie comes out and you're like, no! But... <laughs> I understand it was beforehand, but geez Louise. Also, I want to watch Operation yes, Finale right exactly. now. It's about the hunt for, like, yeah, Joseph. Um, I've heard of that. I, I don't, it's for the, the doctor, the, the um, no, yeah, it, well, yeah, no, wait, let me Mangala? type this in, because it's about um, how they went to Argentina to get one of, yeah. Oh, wait a second, I've seen it. Oh, is it any good? Okay. They went, yeah, uh, Eichmann. They went, yeah. yeah, I liked it. I liked it. It's with uh, Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley. It's 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 uh, trying to capture I think it Eichmann. looks pretty cool. Like, I want to... Yeah, well, it's on Netflix it looks, right it's now. It, it's... Oh, in America. Okay, if you say so. That that I don't know. All right, I got to watch that now. <laughs> I, I saw it a few years ago. Cool. I liked it. I, I found it very good. Soren decides to take over for Cedric. Cedric, who's sitting on a bench... 
stands up and then happens to have a very large piano that he takes with him. And then uh, we, we get Soren saying to him, what the hell you got in there? A piano? And, and Cedric's response is, uh, that's pretty funny, mate. Then he says, well, you won't get that through. <laughs> and then I, lo- I love his response. I'll cope. Yeah, I love it. And then they talk about kangaroos. <laughs> I'll figure out some way to get through there. And he copes, and he does a great job. Yes, he does. He does, a, especially in the final script. With a piano. <laughs> exactly. Now, you know, the director was talking about, or I was listening to the commentary. I, I, I think it's the director. He said that Coburn really did pack that case. I don't know if you had oh, read wow. this. And they had a no, scene. I'd forgotten about they were thinking it. About, I read it once, but I forgot about it. They were thinking about filming a scene where he packed it and had everything in there. But Coburn really did put stuff in there to be in character. Because the way they wanted to kind of portray that, I mean, the, the manufacturer. So, he, mm-hmm. like, very um, uh, meticulous in, in what he needed. And so they had, he knew exactly what was in his case in that. So I thought that yeah. was pretty cool. I added a touch of. I mean, obviously, it looks lighter than what it is, so it's not probably a fully packed thing, but he he did think about what was going to go in there, and Coburn put a lot of thought towards it, so I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, sounds like it. So at this point, then we, we get the, the, the trio of Cavendish, Griffith, and Goff showing up, and, you know, they're, they're, they're having a discussion after the fact. They're saying, was, was that Cedric with his trunk? <laughs> and the response is, who else? Yeah. <laughs> Meaning, who else would be an idiot to do that? And... And then uh, Goff's response is, I wish he was home with his kangaroos. Yeah. Which, what does that mean? And, I mean, obviously, he's Australian. He should be back in, in Australia with his kangaroos. It, is he basically saying that he's going to ruin it for everybody? Which, it's funny that that the tree, that this trio were talking about it because, you know, as, as we'll see oh. in, in about uh, two weeks, Cavendish and, and Griffiths are the ones who, who, who cause all the problems. So it's, it's a little bit foreshadowing, you know, the, the, the way that they're doing this. Yeah. yeah listen, Coburn yeah, knows what's up. Coburn is not going to mess up. He knows. Not in this script. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. He just wiped stuff out. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll discuss that more in detail when we get to it. Uh, when, 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 when he's going through the tunnel next week or the week after. So people will be able to hear what you already know. Yeah. So I've, I've hinted out, hinted things. See, I'm, I'm teasing things so that people will want to come back and listen to more. Also, then, then we in shots. case you want to yeah. come back for more, there's a great scene involving a motorcycle later on in this oh, movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So you're going to want to hear about oh, wow. that. You're going to want to hear There's also discussion. a great scene with, with Cedric and a bicycle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there is. That's a great scene. He, he, you know, there you go. That, he's a good bike rider. I think. Uh, yeah, he does a nice job, especially being able to balance this trunk. And the wire cutters, too, right? The wire cutters, the yes. trunk. Well, the wire cutters he's probably got in the trunk. That's, oh, that's a really tense moment, too. Because you're thinking, is are they going to get him? Also. But, hey, he hey, real, hey, don't oh, okay. give away. All right, all right. Wait, wait for someone else to be able to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. those minutes. <laughs> I love his, I love that sub. I, oh, never mind. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you want, we'll do a bonus show with you, just you talking about Cedric. Riding a bike. That? <laughs> bike. Bike riding in cinema. Exactly. Then we, we cut back to, to seeing Henley come out of the, come, come off the trolley with uh, Colin still standing, sitting there, really looking like he's in complete daze, not knowing what's going on. Henley's about to go up, and Roger says to him, we're 20 feet short. <laughs> what? And how the hell? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> how the hell? 
that point, Roger, the, I, I love Roger because Roger is a no-nonsense manager. He basically says, he just stops him in his tracks, stops Henley talking and says, we're 20 feet short. Hilt is on the other end of the rope in his hands. And as soon as you, yeah. and then it gets cut off. That's the end of this minute. I love that reaction. And Goon but Mark never heard it. As soon he says, as soon as you feel, and we don't know what he's going to be feeling. As soon as you feel a sweat, as soon as you feel, uh, it's, it's just great the way that 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 Attenborough is able to play this character so well throughout the movie. That any point, he's he's almost never never uh, yeah never flustered. He always you know doesn't matter what's going on. He's able to to gather his thoughts and and deal with the situation. As, as he can. So, we're, we're at the end of the minute. So, once again, Mark, I have a, right. a top five for you. All right. We're going to talk about top five pianos in movies. Oh. Or movies featuring pianos or where pianos are, are uh, very prominent to, to the movie. Now, now I, I got to admit, my, my, the first movie that came to mind, I actually had to go research and I couldn't find that there really was a piano in there. I don't know why I remembered that there was. Um, for some reason, I thought that the Money Pit had, had a piano in it. But it doesn't. So that that wasn't part of my top five. But, but I just thought it was just really funny the fact that, that that when I was trying to think of these, that was the first one that popped into my head incorrectly. It's funny with that movie. You picture it falling through the floor, or you exactly. picture it rolling downstairs. <laughs> exactly. Like it's perfectly there. I almost see it. Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. But all right. Well, you can still use that in, when when you're ranking. How's that? Well, I like to use that as in your ranking, even though it doesn't really feature a piano. All right. So we got obviously the piano. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Holly Hunter, 1993, uh, and everyone gets to see uh, Harvey Keitel in as if he was digging a tunnel. Full Harvey. <laughs> exactly. Then you got the the pianist from uh, 2002 oh, with Adrian Brody. Uh, Adrian Brody, thank you. And a can of fruit juice. There you go. That leaks out on the floor. That's correct. Which uh, I'd be grateful for that too, wouldn't you? Yeah. Then you got <laughs> five busy pieces where you have Jack Nicholson on the back of a truck. Playing a piano in the yeah. middle of a uh, in the, in the middle of getting stuck in traffic. You have uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in Fabulous Baker Boys. Oh, okay, where she gets to serenade while on the top of a piano. And then you got the most recent film to deal with uh, music and pianos. You got Soul. So how would you rank those? Okay, I mean. pianist because no not the pianist the piano okay and and then i'll say the fabulous baker boys then i'll say the burbs the burbs wasn't here the money pit. <laughs> oh the money pit and then maybe I'll the say, burbs they were hiding under let's it. see yeah. i'll say soul and then i will let's see five easy pieces and then last the pianist because I had a radio show in college talking about movies, and we got in a lot of trouble because my co-host, who was a maniac, the uh, radio show, he started talking about how the pianist is so good, and like the pianist is going to be a big thing, and how everyone should see the pianist because the, the pianist is really important. And he went on like a five-minute pianist gag because yes, you know what he meant. And we got in trouble, so it brings back uh, bad memories. Okay, so I'm putting that last. The movie though, besides. Oh, I love it. It's a great movie. Yeah. Polanski, though. Polanski. You know, I I look at it this way. You know, people have a lot of issues with actors, with directors, with producers, with with things that they do in their personal life. Okay? But when you look at a movie, 
you have to to, to to try to disassociate the movie with 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 the real people, and you look at the movie for what it is. Meaning everything that happened with with Kevin Spacey is atrocious. Everything that happens with Mel Gibson atrocious. But that doesn't mean you can't like their movies. No, it's it's and listen when that juice was leaking from that can, I have never felt more anguish okay. in my life. I just I I just think. I just remember that radio show when I just had to, had to have him talk about the pianist. And then he was talking about planes crashing post... 9-11. 2001. Yeah. And it's just... It brings back that... Okay. Because that was the beginning of my end of my I radio show. So I'm going to say that. I can that. hear that. All right. <laughs> I, will, I will give you that one. <laughs> I'm associating. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Well, you have anything else to say about this minute? No, it was great. Right. And uh, we had a good... Uh, we had a good trunk. Big, big, best trunk next to Darjeeling Limited, I would say. Go. All right. I'm not a fan of that movie, but but I but I at least understand the the, the reference. There you go. <laughs> so, Mark, you want to come back tomorrow to finish off the week? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm in. You want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, movie films on Flix, movie films on FLIX, and Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. Also, look for me at the, the uh, Polish Power Minute. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to start one. All right. Sounds like fun. So while you're looking for the Polish Power Minute, uh, you can go rate and review and subscribe on any podcatcher they might be using to listen to this uh, show. Email is thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. And you can reach us on Twitter at greatescapemxm. So until tomorrow, tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.